0: section six of vagabond adventures this librivox recording is in the public domain vagabond adventures by ralph keeler book i among wharves and cabins chapter six the contumely of captains the captain of the steamer diamond never in the habit of looking pleased at anything did not depart from his habit but rather carried it to an unwonted degree of frowning and darkling excess when he saw me at work again about the table at the next meal after leaving conniot he said nothing to me however but calling up the steward had a long stormy talk with him the steward in self-defense was of course obliged to tell how i had stowed myself away in the forecastle which i need not say did not enhance the commander's opinion of me what that irate gentleman would have done with me whether he would not have thrown me bodily into the lake if it had not been for the earnest deprecation of the steward is even yet in quiet reflective moments an interesting problem to my mind at last the captain's unwilling consent was obtained to take me back to buffalo where as my intercessor said i had friends it happened that the steamer was bound up the lake to toledo where also i had relatives a fact which i did not make known to the steward i was now compassed about it will be seen by prospects of capture on every hand i had my reasons nevertheless for wishing to be left at buffalo instead of toledo the latter city was so small that my relatives would easily lay hold of me there and the former being not only a larger city but so much farther away I should stand a much better chance of concealment, and, what was of almost equal importance, I should be sure of an additional week's board before the steamer reached there. At Toledo, therefore, I scarcely went ashore at all, during the return trip to Buffalo my mind was exceeding busy with daring and mighty schemes of escape from the steward, whom circumstances had now metamorphosed into a walking terror to me that honest fellow had confided to me that he considered it his duty and for my interests to have an interview with the people from whom i had fled and to do i know not what other appalling things toward providing me with a suitable permanent home i did not however think it prudent to express my demurrer at his prospective proceedings choosing secretly to trust the hope of sustaining it rather to my legs than to my eloquence accordingly when we had arrived at buffalo i watched my opportunities and seizing the right moment fled precipitately up the docks unobserved by my well-meaning self-imposed guardian two hours subsequently deeming myself safe i walked boldly on board of the old steamer baltic here by a wonderful freak of fortune it was not ten minutes till i had shipped as cabin-boy at the marvelous salary of ten dollars a month surely i have never felt so rich or independent since i went to work with a will inspired to undertake anything in any weather by a calm sense of security and by the princely guerdon which loomed high in my imagination at the end of the month in the course of time too i am happy to say here incidentally i overcame completely my remarkable tendency to sea-sickness the baltic then having seen her best days did not belong to any regular line but went rolling and creaking about on roaming commissions for freight and passengers all over the lakes up to the time of the inglorious denouement in which my life as one of her crew ended i can remember nothing of moment which happened except that the sense of my own importance and of my accumulating wealth grew daily in strict proportion and that her captain was a perpetual mountain to me bearing down very hard on my expansive spirit but never quite crushing it with a few exceptions indeed my experiences with captains were strikingly disagreeable but not i think peculiar from actual brutality or a mistaken sense of duty applying especially to boys and common sailors your ordinary captain on lake or ocean has often seemed to me in some respects less human than the ship over which he tyrannizes with regard to this cold autocrat of the venerable steamer baltic i recollect a queer boyish fancy i entertained i forget whether in earnest or in sportive retribution namely that the nor'westers had not only piled up the breakers which threatened continually in the hard wrinkled folds and lines of his face but had also blown the warmth and, in a word, all the heart out of his voice and manner. As the month drew near its close, however, and the ten dollars earned by my own hands were soon to be mine, the contumely of my commander had little weight against the buoyancy and growing independence of my spirit. I had been in the Baltic just three weeks and four days on the eventful morning when she was to leave Toledo. It had been my habit, once a week, to wash my only shirt in the pantry, and to wait about the kitchen till it dried, with my coat buttoned up to my chin. Now, on this same morning, I had just issued from the latter place, with my clean shirt in my hand, when the captain told me to do something, I forget what, I assured him I would as soon as I could put on my shirt. He told me to do it right away at the same time coupling me and my garment blasphemously together and consigning us figuratively to a port where for aught i know there may be many collectors but no custom-houses i gave the captain to understand still more bluntly that i should do nothing till i had made my toilet, and inspired by a memory of former wrongs as well as a consciousness of prospective opulence I used to my superior officer other language of a saucy and independent kind, whereupon the captain, in sailor phrase, tacked for me, and I tacked for the shore. Here, then, I demanded my pay. But the enraged commander solemnly averred that he would see me first in that tropical port just alluded to, and then I should never have a cent. Shortly after, the boat pushed off into the stream. A sympathizing friend threw me a paper of crackers from the pantry on the upper deck, and as the Baltic got under way, there I stood on the wharf with my paper of crackers in one hand and my only shirt in the other, clamoring for my wages. I stood leaning against the splintered pile which had been one of her hitching posts, and watched the Baltic as she faded slowly out of sight. My courage seemed to fade with her. It was not the loss of my place and probably of my dinner that crushed me, but, after so many wealthy dreams, this utter financial ruin. What were my five coppers still jingling loosely in my pocket to the dollars I had lost, or to the combined capital of my relatives in that very city? The contest was plainly hopeless, for as much as a half-hour I considered myself delivered bound into the hands of my pursuers. Indeed, the dock on which I was making this mental soliloquy happened to be but a short distance from the warehouse of an uncle of mine, then a commission merchant and shipowner in Toledo. At last I betook myself despondently to a neighboring shed, and donned my shirt, and then, as under some desperate spell, walked straight toward my uncle's office. I crossed the threshold and saw him in conversation with some gentleman. While waiting till he should notice me, I beheld, through the office window, the little steamer arrow, almost ready to depart for Detroit. I knew that the Baltic was also going to Detroit, and thought that I might possibly get my money if I followed her thither. Only those unfortunate persons who have been suddenly prevented from committing suicide when in the very act will thoroughly understand, I think, the feeling with which I hailed this thought. Instantly my comprehensive vow to have nothing more to do with relatives flashed across my mind. Seeing that my uncle had not yet observed me, I turned quickly on my heel and made hastily for the dock of the steamer arrow. I concealed myself on board of her till she was under way, when, making my case known to the steward, I was allowed to work my passage in the cabin to Detroit. It was that season when, as many dwellers by the western lakes will remember, the Arrow was the fastest boat on those waters. We passed the other steamer somewhere off Monroe Lighthouse, and on the same afternoon, therefore, as the old Baltic came up to the wharf at Detroit, there I stood before the astonished eyes of her captain, again clamoring for my wages. With this difference only, that my shirt was now on my back and my crackers carefully stowed away in my pocket with my five coppers. End of chapter 6 The Contumely of Captains